really truly impact. Number one, I guess you are considered to be a professor, so it's really Professor Michael Whelan, right? Well, you know, I, you know, I, I, I'm an adjunct, so that doesn't, you know, they don't, they don't really like it unless you're like full time. Okay, so we won't call you Prof today, but you. <laughs> you've won two Emmy awards, and I boy, I, I'm just blown away by how many CDs you put out. Also, um, you work in such a variety of avenues, uh, creative avenues, from TV shows to audio books, and you attended the Berkeley College of Music. Um, you had a, quite an impressive background. I guess you came, came from a family that was kind of high-powered, and that set you on your course. Uh, yeah, you, I was a, kind of a high-powered family. I was, I was kind of the, uh, the underachiever in my family. Oh, your father was uh, in Washington and lobbyist and pretty heavy duty. Working with, pre- working with presidents and getting nominated for Pulitzer's and all that stuff, so... Pretty pretty good big shoes there, yeah. <laughs> you also uh, did nearly 70 multi-part series that you composed music for yeah. um, of the nearly 600-plus television, show, television shows that you worked on and yeah. um, started Whalen uh, LTD, and you scored dozens of films for National Geographic, Discovery, The History Channel, ESPN, PBS, and you got his first M- you got your first Emmy for the work on HBO's How Do You Spell God, and okay. um, did the theme for ABC News Good Morning America, and uh, you, you're just like amazing. How many CDs do you have out now? Uh, Thirty. Thirty CDs. Wow. Yeah, so I kiss the quietest number number three zero. But there's there's soundtracks in there, and I have a couple of classical records and. I even have a singer-songwriter EP that I did in 2009, so I've, I've gone to a lot of places. So, Yeah, well, the place you're at now is New York, which is pretty high-powered and a good place to be for sure. the kind of work you do. Um, I have to also mention, I'm very impressed by your blog, uh, your website, Michael Whalen, that's Michael, W-H-A-L-E-N, dot com, um, has a very interesting blog, which gets into some fascinating subjects that have to do with the music biz, which is a fascinating business as well. So what got you started on your journey? You've had quite an interesting journey, including I think you lived in Washington for a while too, didn't you? I did. I uh, was born in New York, but I grew up in Washington, D.C. That's Now talk about high-powered. <laughs> My gosh, so many yeah. red red ties and blue ties, and I mean... I mean, I've been yeah. there a few times, and it just is in the air. I think it's something maybe in the water, actually. You know, the, the, the thing that's interesting about Washington, D.C. is, you know, there's a joke where, you know, you go to Los Angeles and no one's from L.A., but I mean, really, in Washington, D.C., no one is from D.C. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. And so, like, when a new administration comes in, so many of the people who are part of that administration, who were the previous administration, leave. And then you have all these diplomats from other countries, and so it's a it's it's a very transient community. I bet and, it is. I bet it is, and it's and growing up there is very strange. <laughs> did Did you go to a, a what kind of special school, or did you go to a public school? I went to a, I went to a private school, and then um, when I was twelve, I, I I announced to my parents that they were putting me in boarding school. You did, so I, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, because both of my both of my brother and my sister, you know, my older older brother and older sister, um, they were both in college, and so I was alone with my parents, and it was like it was craziness. Yeah. So it was like you know, 
guys, you're going to put me in boarding school, and I think I found the school, and even though my grades aren't <laughs> great, like, I'm going by. So uh, so I went to St. Andrews in Delaware, and you, a lot of people would know that school because it was the school they used for Dead Poets Society with Robin oh, Williams. Oh, my gosh, how beautiful. It looked like a lovely it's a campus. Beautiful, it's a beautiful place, and, and it doesn't look like Delaware. It looks like Vermont or something. And, uh, you know, St. Andrews was a really important part of my life. And then years later, I came back, and then I was on the Board of Trustees there for eight years. So, so did it spark your creative fire there? Was that kind of the roots of it? Well, um, I think two things happened. Number one is I had a teacher there named Larry Walker who I think saw in me like my brain was going in a million different directions and he gave me a lot of space to musically to kind of go to go to some places and and he was very encouraging he was tough but he was very encouraging and i think the other thing also was it gave me a sort of an environment that was away from the washington craziness because i mean i'm not even exaggerating when you'd have like uh you know t- tv cameras and reporters outside my parents' house in Georgetown all the time. Really? And, like, they would they would have, yeah, and they would have, like, these crazy parties with, like, all these people from Congress or, like, UN people or whatever, and it would just be, like, um, at a certain point, you're just, like, get me, get me out of this. This is just, like, this is a nightmare for me. So, oh. you know, so I was a kid in the basement, like, you know, playing music and, like, get me out of this. So it was, it was, it was a, it was a crazy, it was a crazy environment. Well, you know, it's got to have been very interesting, though, because you have so many inputs from so many places going on there. And, you know, in a way, it kind of must have really got you ready for as crazy as your life is with New York, because New York is pretty crazy, too. Uh, New York is crazy in a different way. I mean, you know, there's that Frank Sinatra song, like, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, New York's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the joke I make about going to Los Angeles is I've never had a bad meeting in Los Angeles. Really? Everyone loves you in Los Angeles. And then they just never call you again. Yeah, but, it, but in New York, mm-hmm. like, you know, within seconds, it's like, hi, I hate your music. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Peace out. <laughs> Bye-bye. So it's like after 30 years of New York City, um, you develop... Uh, instincts for things and responses to things. And what's really funny is, you know, I get together with my, you know, my, my colleagues in New Age Music or whatever. We go to the, like, the ZMR Awards, which are actually going to happen a couple of weeks in, um, in New Orleans. And their whole frame of reference for the world is completely different than mine. So, like, mm-hmm. I am... I am like the manic New Yorker guy who does like this pretty ambient music. It's very funny. <laughs> and then on what's, 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 what's really funny is I did, uh, for this new album, I created a video for a song called Full Moon Dance, which actually makes fun of myself a little bit, where it's like, here I am in the middle of New York City, and like, you know, a fire truck goes by, and it's like this to- <laughs> it's like total craziness while I'm trying to create, like, this pretty music. Well, and, it's, and you've you know, had a little background doing this kind of things because you've done, you had a background in doing some film, and um, you've yep. worked in film, so you kind of had the I idea have. of that. Plus, you know, I guess be, you're being a clown in the Macy's Parade kind of Nine made you... Nine years of being a clown. Nine <laughs> years. <laughs> Which is pretty that changed, amazing. That changes a person. <laughs> Did you have a big red nose? 
yeah, well, I mean, every year it's different. Uh, but the last couple of years I've been a celebration clown, which you get dressed completely like you look like a crazy person. Um, and you're at the front of the parade. And wow. um, there are experiences like jumping out of an airplane or walking on fire or whatever. But when you are dressed as a clown in front of three and a half million people, I mean, it's the coolest thing you've ever done. Does it give you total freedom? It's literally freedom? the coolest thing. Because yeah. dressed as a clown in New York City, you literally can get away with anything. Wow. You can mess with the police. We're not supposed to, but you can mess around with the police and you can do all kinds of crazy stuff and you can get away with it. It's, what what have it's you done? Unbelievable. That, give us an example of something crazy that happened. Um, so as a clown, you work out routines. And the way it works is there's so many people crowded in that the way the police have things cordoned off is they at every intersection, they actually have like little like um, – I don't even know how to say it. It's almost like uh, little inlets of people. Mm-hmm. It's like you got to kind of like run in, kind of run into the intersection, and you, you you have you have people like on three sides of you, and you can do these crazy things. And so we would do these crazy dances, and then we would like pretend to we, we were like stripping each other, and then these two people were like having a fight in the street, like crazy stuff. But as a clown, everyone's like, "Oh, look, they're clowns!" Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> and, your free. Oh, yeah, it was just, and it, it, it's a blast. Get it's to, like so much fun. Wave your free flag. Yeah, that, yeah a that, little bit. Yeah, well, a little bit sounds great. You know, I, I I really can't even imagine because I was there for the Grammys. I hadn't been there for years, maybe twenty, thirty years before the the Grammys in January, and I was there. Mm-hmm. And it was it was pretty amazing. And the Grammy. I, did you go to the Grammys? Were you there this year? I, you know, it's really funny. I didn't go. Oh my gosh! It was just down the street, and you didn't go. Oh my gosh! Well, it yeah. Was... I mean, honestly, I had heard so many nightmares about how people were going to kind of like, um, kind of get around and all the security and everything. And I was yeah. like, ah, uh, I know that's the way <laughs> I am. When I, but no, I was actually the security was very heavy duty, but it all went pretty easy, except for I went to that Elton John. Um, taping the legend you know the one that the grammy salute to elton john yep. and, and yep. but that one was crazy because it was in the theater and i didn't you know i came early and it was hard getting through traffic to a taxi staying i stayed at the marriott marquee which was really great i i liked the marriott marquee it was actually a very good service and everything was fine there but then getting down there and then you get left off and then it was like these thousands of people and i mean thousands trying to squeeze into the doors and they're dressed in all kinds of things. I'm going, my gosh, I didn't expect, you know, for the Elton John concert, this would be so crazy. It turns out it was the night of the Knickerbockers, Knickerbockers game. And you all, oh, they opened the doors for both the, the game and Elton John at the same time, although one was in the main part, you know, of Madison Square Garden, and, and the theater was where Elton John was. So that was pretty crazy as far as the jamming, but it was interesting. Um, cool. You know, I mean, I grew up in L.A., but in New York and L.A. are the other sides of the world, right? But but I could see where there's a lot of creative influence is in a different kind of sense. L.A., sure. I, I found very creative. Um but, I mean, I loved what was left of nature after smog and traffic and people decimated everything. But, um, well, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, so I, that's why I had to move to Maui, right? Because yeah. it, it was all dying because um, it, it was just too much. But New York, you know, they don't even pretend to try to. No, yeah, they, no. They, they don't even pretend. And, and you know, the thing that's also interesting is if you drive an hour, maybe an hour and a half, 
straight north from New York. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. Yes. Like, yes. it's just it's just amazing. Yeah. Like, you're like, where are we? Oh, yeah. we're just like, you know, we're in Dutchess County or something. And it's like, it's it's gorgeous. So, I mean, I, you know, my wife and I, we spend a lot of time in the city, but like, you know, weekends, uh, we, you know, we get away. Yeah. And I think you've got to have that balance. And yeah. you know, we live in Brooklyn and we are about a block and a half from Prospect Park, which is, if you don't know Prospect Park, it's like a baby, like a, it's like a baby version of Central Park, oh. except that it's not in any of like the touristy areas. So the only people who ever really use the park are local people. Uh-huh. And um, it's it's gorgeous. It's my favorite park in New York City. And so between the, the the nature in Prospect Park, which is gorgeous, and getting out of there, I think we have a pretty good balance between um, the craziness of the city and uh, you know and trying to get some quiet. Because I think as a composer, especially when you work on new age music and ambient music, it's really important to refill your tank of silence. I think and you're right. You know, National Silence really Day. Important. I think this Friday's National um, Day of Silence. And oh, I, I cool. have, I, I, but as a, you know, as a DJ, this is an occupational hazard. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we, we have, if I were to even try, we have something built into our system here. If that it has, I think, more than five minutes of silence, or maybe it's 60 seconds of silence, it goes to silent sensor, and something automatically will kick in because it doesn't like uh-huh. it doesn't like silence. But but having done a Zen background and everything, and doing silent meditations, it's very very helpful, and it is a good place to get creative input. Definitely, absolutely. Now you now you mentioned ambient, you mentioned um, new age, and of course there's the soundtracks that you've done. Where is that beautiful thread that ties them all together, and where's the is there a line between soundtracks and ambient music? Um, I think I think it shows up in pieces on my New Age record. Um, you know, Full Moon Dance has a little bit of my soundtrack vocabulary in it, um, but I think there's only really been a couple of albums I've worked on that I, I would say sort of share kind of um, sonic worlds. And, you know, I sort of have maybe three, maybe four speeds as a composer. Um, one of them is my classical work. So I have four classical albums. You know, I have string quartets. I have all this chamber music. I've, you know, and so that is a very different modality for me as a composer um, as compared to doing my ambient or my new age work, which is much more about the production of it and the, the sonic piece of it. Hmm. And then there's my soundtrack stuff, which um, the time element is very important. Mm, so very like if you're working point. on a film score, they would say, okay, well, you've got a week to do this. And, you know, if you've if you've agreed to do it, then you're going to do it in whatever amount wow. of time that you do it in. Wow. Um, I mean, I've, uh, you know, I've done whole scores for TV shows in a weekend. And wow. guys who work on series, um, you know, they get a cut on a Tuesday night and they have to be ready for a mix on a Saturday. So you see, so, you see I mean, what you're you know, making so, the music for, right? You have the video to make right. the music for it. Yeah, that, 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 that's right. And then I think, I think maybe the last piece of my sort of, compositional thing um, is when I'm producing other artists. So right now I've produced about a hundred different artists. Wow. 
who are vocalists, and there's some of the new age people, and there's some classical people, and whatever. And I go into a whole other mode with that. And my job is to bring out what they want in their sound versus me bringing my thing to them. Because I think that if I'm going to impose my sound on someone else, I, I just, I mean, I know there's producers in the world who have a very distinctive sound. Yeah. And some people like that or whatever. Um, that's not my thing. My thing is to try to bring out an artist's self-expression as their authentic expression versus like, you know, like, doing that Michael Whalen thing. And and I think I think the only album in, in recently that I've kind of done all four things on is not this newest album, but the one I did last year. Um, it's called uh, I'm, 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 I'm so uh, it's uh, it's called Dream Cycle and it's uh, it has vocal songs on it. I did arrangements on it. It's got all kinds of textures on it. It's actually up for uh, best electronic record. Oh. Uh, at the ZMR Awards. Ah, interesting. So, yeah, so it's it, it's it, it's really the maybe one of the only records where I think everything that I do kind of kind of fell into one bin. Mm -hmm. And then when I did this new record, Kiss the Quiet, I think I really just wanted to do something simpler. Mm -hmm. In fact, I wasn't even really thinking about doing a record. I was I was just writing, and just the record kind of just fell out of me. Mm -hmm. And all and all of a sudden, I you know I had eight or nine songs and i was like this is really nice i like this record and so i said i maybe i have an album i don't know mm -hmm. so um you know i i think um I, there's people in the world who are they go and they sit down and they're like okay i'm going to make an album now mm -hmm. i don't do that i i like to um i don't know it's like uh, like the world kind of aligns in a certain kind of way and maybe I have a little bit of time in between projects or something, or I get inspired by something, or, you know, Ruthie and I will go someplace and I'll take a trip or something and I'll, I'll be, something will happen and music will be resulted from it. Does that music necessarily yeah. turn into an album? No, not always. Mm -hmm. But sometimes there is a through line to it or there's an arc to it that mm -hmm. all of a sudden kind of makes sense as a collection of things. And, and I and think I that think, there is that energy that wants to come out. Sometimes these births sure. of, of, of albums are actually demanding to be born and, and want to, you know. And, and some are easy and some are difficult, right? But, I mean, yeah. I, 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 you have, I love the titles, Kiss the Quiet, Heart So Filled with Joy. These are lovely. Full Moon Dance, Almost Touching Heaven, The Prayer Box, Window to the Soul, No More Secrets. These are all lovely. And, and in, in a way... When I think of this, um, there is um, the soundtrack that you can put into what you hear, and you make the pictures, you, you follow the story, even if there's not words in some of these, right? Yeah, I, 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 that's very perceptive. I mean, I write my own personal music from a very programmatic standpoint. So, like, when I sat down and I did, you know, Full Moon Dance, I actually had in my mind's eye like a couple basically dancing through their whole life together oh nice so like you know they like sort of they like meet as like you know you know high school sweethearts whatever and it's like what would it be to be with somebody for 60 years or 70 years you when know, like i'm when, when 64 Barbara, that's like, what the beatles did right <laughs> yeah exactly it's like like you know like when barbara bush died last week it was you know she's been married to george bush for 70 years yeah and it's like that's unbelievable 
Yeah. So it's like, you know, so like in a way it's, you know, how can you be sort of telling that story without feeding that to people and saying, okay, guys, whatever's in your mind's eye isn't important to me. It's like you need to actually be working with my version of the story, which I think is crap. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know a lot of artists who have like distinctive storylines and there's all this stuff. And it's like, you've got to like know the story before you can figure out the music. I think that's ridiculous, especially in an environment like we are in now in a streaming environment where people are listening to stuff on Spotify or Apple music or whatever. In many cases, people don't even really know who the artists are. That's true. And so how, how in the world are they going to have the context that the artist intended to have the music work, and that, and and I, I think that's ridiculous. It's like that the music's got to be coming from a visceral, real place. And yes, I inspired it, but once it leaves me and it goes into someone else's ear, it is just as much yours as it is mine. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, also, you know, thinking of soundtracks, I I know that people don't realize how important soundtracks are to oh. whether it's a PBS show or you did the theme song from Good Morning America. The theme, the music behind it makes the, brings the emotion, brings the feeling, brings the soul into the uh, visuals. So, I mean, I, I've always respected um, being able to do soundtracks for, for work. Thank you. But I can't Wait. even imagine just having a week or a weekend or, you know, a short period of time because it's, it is a lot of work. But do you make a lot more money doing that than you do putting out an album? Uh, well, it's a different kind of money. I mean, I think you get fees and, and that kind of thing. But the one thing that I will say um, is, you know, I have done very well in a streaming environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike a lot of my artist friends who are like always saying that, you know, having their stuff played on Spotify or whatever, they're not making any money. Right. Um, you know, I, you know, I have a couple of lives one is that as a musician, um, one of them is as a copyright expert. So I am an expert in copyright law and digital media law. Um, and I work with a lot of lawyers and I work with a lot of, you know, people who are dealing with this. Google is one of my clients. And so like, I, I talk a lot about how streaming is supposed to work. So I think, I think one of the nice things about, putting out your own music in this environment is at a certain point in terms of people recognizing it and playing it, it has enough critical mass and you can make a little bit of money every month Mm -hmm. and it becomes like a little annuity. Now, is it like a life changing, like, hi, we're going to go buy an Island amount of money. No, No. but it, but it is, is it enough money to pay my rent in Brooklyn? Yeah, it is. Well, that's good. is it enough Because money Brooklyn, to, like, I mean, take, it's not cheap, not cheap. Living. It's not cheap. It's not, I mean, I don't know if it's as expensive as Maui, <laughs> but I mean, but it's like, but it's, it's not cheap. And it's one of those things where if you know you've got a certain amount of residuals coming in, almost like an annuity, that takes a lot of stress out of your life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think um, there is a kind of consistency and there's something about that I think that is uh, reassuring and so it's a very different kind of money than like, you know, rock star money where like you get, you know, some huge hit song and you get seven figures in the door. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I think doing scores is nice. So you get fees and that's nice and whatever. 
but I do uh, the, the financial part of doing albums and being consistent and having the artist uh, having the audience respond to it. Um, that is really fulfilling. I mean, the emails I get from people, the notes I get from people when people you know stop me at live shows and the things they say, it's just it's gorgeous. Do you I mean, get? Do you, know, you what's do? The, uh, what's that worth? Do you do many live shows, or are you mostly? I busy? don't do a lot of live shows, mm-hmm. but in the last few years, I've actually been playing live more than I have in a long time. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm actually doing a live show uh, tomorrow night in New York. And you know, what's funny is I perform a lot around New York City because that's about as much time as I have to get to a gig. <laughs> to work Uh, but um you know i you know i played in pennsylvania you know a couple months ago and i did a gig in boston and and so every once in a while like i'll I'll, i will wander outside of new york city but um i love playing live and you 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 and i love and i love what happens do you wait for them to come to you or do you go to them and and set those up um it's mostly they come to me but Mm -hmm. i mean sometimes sometimes when i want to try something um, you know, I will, you know, I might work it out live and, you know, go, go play something or maybe go open for somebody, but yeah. Oh, Cause you, you've made a lot of connections over the years and have worked with a lot of great people, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the business is always moving and changing and growing. And, and I guess you see that through working with copyright law and, and through your blog, you see what's happening. I, I was reading one of the blogs before last that you had on your site at michaelwhalen.com. And this W H A L E N, by the way, and people can get all the information and music through there as well as Amazon. Um, but but you brought up a really good point about the fact that music is changing. And I've been in the music business most of my life, and I've seen it change drastically. Of course, as a oh. DJ, you know, um, and being a lover of music, and and you see it is even going with the AI and just this background music and. And even you were talking in one of the blogs about people just asking for a mood of music to their, mm-hmm. whether should I even dare saying Alexa without maybe setting off someone's Alexa machine? But um, but that people can, you know, I hate when that happens, right? Uh, <laughs> but 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 now people are just asking for moods of music and, and yep. that you're leaving behind the names or the titles or the kind of even... Even I don't know. We're losing the whole concept of what we created years ago as an album, which would always have a theme, like yours does with "Kiss the Quiet." It's it's it, you know it, there's sort of there's a number of things going on. One of them is is that I think people under the age of thirty have a very different relationship than you and I do. Mm-hmm. So they are dealing with music on a very sort of utilitarian level, which is, how does it make me feel? I want to, you know, like, I want to have a visceral experience with it. When they deal with artists, it's as a celebrity, or it's as, like, Mm -hmm. something they see on Instagram, or it's that thing. They're They're not in a conversation about what was the process that led to the thing that made the thing that made the thing that made the album? Mm-hmm. Like the, you know, like, like all the conversations people have had, like about the Beatles or Jimi Hendrix or like Led Zeppelin or like, you know, all, you know, all, all, you know, all that great music from the 1980s. Like people would have conversations about how the music was made. Now people are like talking more about like, like all this like celebrity stuff yep. and the the, yep. mu- the music is much less about that process now yeah and that and was partly that mtv that was partly and then when the big 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 concerts and all the 
hoopla with the concerts happened. Of course, that was all part of that, that, that kind of created that. And now you can't even consider if you're going to be um, signed up to a, as a big star, you got to have the whole package. They don't want just a great musician or a great, great singer anymore unless you can do the others well. I mean, I should mention you, you do have a label, which is very impressive, that you've been working with, uh, which is unusual for a lot of new age artists. You're signed to what company? So um, I have a deal with The Orchard um, that um, is a huge aggregator, and The Orchard is owned by Sony, which is which is nice. And then my last record came out through Valley Entertainment, which is a huge company. And um, and, and so it's it's nice to be able to go to companies and get support. And it's been um, it's been great to have the, like long relationships with them, because especially with things like radio or going <laughs> and doing promotion or uh-huh. doing uh especially things overseas uh like new age music is incredibly popular in spain and you know, like i don't know anything about that so having having a company that has reach over there that can go deal with people um is great and it's you know and it's it's a load off my back as somebody who does understand the business side and does understand the copyright side um, that um, I, I don't think any successful artist can do it all yourself. I just, you know, and I think mm-hmm. it's I, I think it's really great to have a great team around you. Mm-hmm. And because there's so there's so much that you've got to put into the music to make it great, and then the whole promotion side can take six, you know, nine months, maybe a year. Um, and I think in this environment, in an online environment, I think records take much longer to go out and be known than they used to. Hmm. In the old days where there was, I think radio was more centralized and TV was more centralized and, and people sort of gathered around things, I think, it, I think it was easier to promote things than it is now because people are in 10 million different parts of the Internet and to try to get something in front of people is very difficult. Well, and it is the one-song environment. You get one song where, I mean, truthfully for me, because I've been so in love with music for so long, when I find an artist, a composer, a piece of something that I love that is an album, I just bathe in it. I absorb it. I become obsessed with it. I want to listen to it over and over and really get, like a good book, what is really being expressed and really get that to be a part of me, you know. And and well, I don't I don't think that's – I don't see that happening the same anymore. I mean, with one song, you get, oh, that's a nice song or something, you know, but I don't know if you get the whole depth of what's being conveyed, you know. I do see in, in soundtracks of movies that that, yeah. that that can happen because you can build and you can express and, and you have a chance to be emotional and you have a chance to express all the various emotions. But I, I, I don't, in one song, I can't even, part of me goes, wow, well, you just got to hit them over the head and get it right out there and have a hook and it's got to be pushed and it's got to be pushed and pushed and pushed till that song is the hip thing to listen to, I guess, you know. But I don't, I don't get it at all, really. I mean, truthfully, I, it's just not, because I'm in music for a different, different reason, you know, and I appreciate music and in an old-fashioned way, I think. But, I mean, I'm beginning to see the power of, you know, like, oh, well, yeah, what songs get picked even from the 80s when there was all of uh-huh. that variety and there was albums and it was all, you know, done in concept and theme. You know, I mean, the, yep. the Dark Side of the Moon, I mean, you hear one song, it's like, oh, The Dark Side of the Moon. But, but you know, we, there's some of that that still will live on 
even if you pick one song of it, you know, you may not be getting the whole impact, but you get that memory, I guess, which is what people are going for. With new That's age, right. with new age and ambient music like you're doing, how do you you create your book, your 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 visuals with the audio? That how do you try to touch someone's soul? Well, you know, it's interesting. Like, you know, in creating a visual, like if you're going to go do a video for a song. I think there's sort of two pieces. Um, I think the most personal stuff you can put into a song or put into the video is the most universal. So you, I mean, I'm sure you see it, I see tons of it, where new age artists are trying to create, quote unquote, pleasing images. Mm -hmm. And so then all of a sudden it makes the music and the experience of the music very sort of saccharine and shallow. Mm, good point. Good point. Creating, yeah, creating something that has like so you have a real personal connection to, and you have like a real sort of visceral feeling to it, and it's very specific. Because I think in that way, um, people will gravitate to it. So, like, I'll give you an example. There's a song on the new album called "Almost Touching Heaven," and I was trying to figure out like what I should do for um, a video because the song is about my wife. And like, I mean, and so, I mean, the metaphor is like, you know, at least for me, it's like, she's heaven. And like, I'm never going to quite get there. Like, I mean, Aww. like my empowering context, my empowering context with my wife is like, I'm going to endeavor to deserve her for the rest of my life. Well, that's going to be I'm, good. I mean, that's going to yeah, be fabulous. Yeah. I don't hear that yeah. very often, Michael. There you go. <laughs> So, so I'm going, I'm, I mean, but I'm not quite going to make it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I can't really make a video about that. But what I decided to do was um, my 17-year-old son is into aerial drone cinematography. Oh, my. And he's, he's incredibly talented. And he has his FAA license, and he flies his drone all over the place, and he has beautiful cameras, and he does, he's really into it. And he wants to go to film school, and he's like, he's, he's dead serious about this. So I said, hey, I said, well, um, would it be okay if I use some of your footage for this new video? And he was like, well, I don't know if it's good enough. I'm like, dude, it's, it's, you're good, you're fine. And so I cut a video using his footage, and it's a pretty video, but the connection is it's my son, and and me doing our first collaboration together. Mm -hmm. So it was, so it's, it's this incredibly personal video about an incredibly personal song and the video is still really beautiful mm. and i think and i think that's important because i think like we were talking about before i think if you make my context as an artist the hurdle that the viewer or the listener has to jump over to get something then i think i, I you're doing it wrong well, that's a good point, I mean, because are you doing it for yourself, or are you doing it to, for the world, or are you getting it out there? Or maybe some really talented people can do both, because, you know, a lot of love songs have been written that are personal and then reach outward as well. So so that is, a, you know, something that has to always be monitored, you know. I mean, truly great composers and throughout time, going back even centuries, you know, we're being, we're going through something, a lot of times difficult things, to get some of their best pieces of music out there. Absolutely. 
And then yes, that can, that makes the drama in it kind of always relatable um, in in some context at least. I mean, you mentioned sure. something about Spain, and I, I I I I mean, truthfully, I have been to Spain. I don't know if you've been there. I've been there like six times, and I love Spain. Have you been to Spain? I I have stopped in Spain. I cannot say that I have spent any considerable time there. Well, and it's interesting. You said that New Age is popular because I know there's. The, there's this huge thing in Europe about, um, well, kind of ambience, but more trance music, you know. Yeah. But I, I didn't guess about the New Age, but, I mean, Spain is so amazingly advanced and so different in each area you're in. But but it is something to consider if you are, you're one of these people who are reaching out to the world. And always the world and certain places have appreciated music that we may not, like France always appreciated jazz more than some of us, you know, may have appreciated jazz here. And, and in England, of course, a lot of musicians had to go to England to be appreciated before they were appreciated here. And, and well, this, the truth is, about, you know, it is, there are different trends in Germany and France and other places, very different than what we might have, you know, especially here in Maui or you might have in New York City, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and those differences are great. I mean, it's like... You know, it's like a restaurant in Maui is not going to be the same as a restaurant in New York, which is not going to be the same as a restaurant in Barcelona, which is not going to be the same as a restaurant in Australia. I mean, there's something there's something great about that. And I think I think musically, I think it does also happen. I think uh, I think your environment affects a lot um, the kind of music you do. And I think one of the things that happened to me last year before I actually did the music for Kiss the Quiet. I was spending a lot of time out west. I was spending time in California. I was mm. spending time in Arizona. And I spent mm. more time in Arizona than I've ever spent ever. Oh, where in Arizona did you go? Uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, around Phoenix and, you know, uh-huh. and, you know, up a little bit and, 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 you know, and, um, you know, North Scottsdale and all that stuff. So, but, uh, but I fell in love with the desert. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with it. And I, and, and one of the things that I loved about it was at night, how quiet it was. So where do you write? Where do you write when you're traveling? Where do you write? Do you write on your computer? Do you put things even in your voicemail if you have a theme come to you, or how, um, how do you capture I mean, it? Well, I'm old school, mm-hmm. so like I'll get out a piece of music paper and I'll write uh-huh. something down. Like I'm uh-huh. I'm one of those guys who can hear something finished and I'll I write it down. You know they have apps for that. <laughs> they do. They do. They, re- <laughs> they, they do. Uh, I mean, but you know, but that's uh, that's how I write my classical music. I mean, I'll just sit under a tree with a piece of music paper and I'll just write it out. So I mean, because I mean, one of one of the things that drives me crazy about modern composers is how sort of keyboard centric they mm-hmm. are, yeah. or electronic centric they are, and so then the making of the music becomes more about the shape of your hands and muscle mm. memory than what you actually hear in your head. Well, that's a very and good that, point. That's a good point. That yeah. drives, it drives me crazy because at a, on a certain level, is it about what you hear or is it like, okay, well, I'm going to have this tactile sort of experience dancing up and down the piano and I'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, and I love improvising and I think improvising is great and it's great. But I think there is a very clear distinction between an improvisation and a constructive piece. Well, and at the and, same time, I think I have seen, and I was raised, you know, playing piano and having to follow the rules. And if you do enough just reading the notes and the music and doing it, it can be hard to go the other way. 
it can sure. can be hard Absolutely. to. I, and my sister's a concert flautist, and very hard. She cannot improvise. You know, she can read anything, but but you know, once you get used to only reading, there's a security and strength that's very hard to break free of. But it's if you true. if and you come in the other way, where you did the classical, but you also did the other. I think classically there's this this mind thing that you have to be so technically correct, you know, where maybe you're not as technically correct on your on your ambient or new age, but then you allow a little bit of light and, and, and energy to take you away. But I know there's a fine line between, okay, that's just really bad technique, for, <laughs> but nice idea, right, versus really doing something right. It, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, like tomorrow's concert... Is, is all improvised. It's an hour of improvisation. And so, and people are like, what's it going to sound like? I'm like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And that takes and, confidence, a great deal of confidence. Sure. I mean, and, and the people and the people I'm playing with are fantastic improvisers, but they're great players. And, th- and I think the key to the whole thing is listening. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you listening to? I mean, if you're in your own little world, you're probably going to be a bad improviser. Mm-hmm. But if you're somebody who's like sort of listening for the whole group, you're going to know what to put in and what to take out, what to leave out, what when to sit out, and to really give it space. Because the whole idea for tomorrow is we're doing sort of like an ambient jam, and I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll have I'll, I'll have a little bit of gear, I'll have a piano, and we'll see what happens. Where where are, where are you going to be playing? Uh, we're playing in a little place in the West Village called Cafe Vivaldi. It's a tiny place. And, uh, you know, like I maybe like, I don't know, 40 people, 50 uh-huh. people tops can sit, fit in the entire place. And what's great about it is it's so small that like the person in the front row is like literally in your lap in the piano. It's fantastic. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, you know, so if you want a personal music experience, <laughs> this is it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. No, but it's, that, it's that, that sounds like, like something we could, you know, that you could really have in New York that's wonderful. I, I remember, I don't know if you saw this movie by Yo Yo Ma. I think it was actually up for Grammy. I don't know if it got it or not, where he went around the world and he went to places where, you know, he didn't even speak the language. And he had people, amazing musicians from all around the world form a group. And they would barely even rehearse. They just kind of get together and, and, you know, tune up and get to know each other. And yep. they, they create. Did you happen to see that one? I wish I could Silk remember. Silk Road. <laughs> yes, that's it, Silk Road. And wasn't that beautiful, the way people from all Those guys around are the world. so good. Yeah, and they're they're, so good. And there were people oh. that didn't speak the same language. They had instruments I had never seen. Yet they'd yep. get together and it showed how music goes beyond language and creates yep. a language of its own. Yeah, I mean, and the the other thing also is, again, it's like, you know, people get so hung up on what language do you speak, mm-hmm. and it's like, you, you're not listening. Mm-hmm. If, you're having, if you're having a musical conversation, you know, and they say music is, you know, universal, it really is. Yeah. I mean, I have improvised and played with people who don't even have the same tuning as we have. Mm-hmm. So they are like in a whole other sort of microtonal whatever, and I'm doing something completely different in my thing, and it's like, let's go make music. Yeah, now that's, that to me is where music creates a higher level of understanding. And yeah. I do see it, I mean, if, if it could be given a chance to grow, I think definitely peace um, and, and understanding uh, when you communicate with other people that same way. And you look at some of these amazing concerts that have happened uh, from musicians that have gone into Israel that were, you know, from other countries that are supposedly em- enemies. And this has happened around the world where music 
and it really goes breaks down all boundaries and just creates that energy of music without the limitations. And I, that's one of the things I love about music and the fact that you can go tomorrow night and play and you don't know who's going to be there, but you know, and you don't know what you're going to play. But together, you know, all of you sit down and something magical will happen. You know. It's like, I mean, all all I know is, you know, it's going to be me and like two other, maybe three other people, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's wonderful. And it is interesting that you can sit down while traveling, and you just really literally will get out a piece of blank script music, and you'll just, you just write out the notes because you can hear the notes in your head, or do you try to at least... Yeah. Yeah. And I have this thing on my iPad now where I just take out my little stylus and it will create like a, a you know, like I'll, I'll just sort of tap in the notes where I want it and whatever. And what's really cool is when you output it now, then it becomes a MIDI file that I can throw into my computer and yeah. then um, I have a head start and it's like, oh, cool. All right, let's, let's go. That's, that's yeah, nice. that is really good. Is that, is that Sibelius or do you know which? which? So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a program that I have called Staff Pro on my iPad and then it outputs a MIDI file that I put into Logic that I have in my studio in Brooklyn and... Off I go. That's that, nice. That's a very, very, very good way to go. Because you know what? If you don't capture that idea that comes to you, I well, you're probably different, but I, if I get an idea or I get a, an idea for a song or a theme comes to me, if I don't get it within 24 hours, it, I lose it. I mean, I may have one or two notes of it, but I can't always get it back. So it's really great. Hey, to... the, the, the memo recorder on my phone is always full. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always full. Like, like oh, cause if, I'm, if I'm practicing or something, um, you know, because I, I don't have a piano in my house. Uh-huh. So here I, here I am, this well-known new age pianist, and I don't have one. So like, and so I go to the uh, Greenwich House Music School in the West Village, and they let me practice there. And they have, they have I don't know, 20 pianos. And I'm the uh, the chairman of the advisory council there, so they're, they're, they're particularly nice to me. And um, so when I'm practicing at Greenwich House, I'll just have my, my voice memo thing out, and I'll be recording, like, little snippets of things, and I'll just, you know, maybe I'll write something down or whatever. It's I, I think one of the things that I see happening over and over again these days is artists, who have too many choices when it mm. comes to things like technology. Yeah. So then they become confused mm-hmm. and they go, Oh, I've got too many options or I'm going to spend too much time in the studio or my stuff's not working and I can't make anything happen. And I think that's a cop out. I mean, I think one of the things that I think you need to do as an artist is you need to make the simplest chain between your brain, your heart and getting it out of you that you possibly can. And if it's any more complicated than like a voice memo thing or a pencil or something simple like on a tablet or a computer, you're probably in trouble as a writer. You know, that's pro- um, I, I really think there's a lot of truth in that, really. And, and not only that, the distractions can get you so waylaid that you can't yep. get to the heart of what you're trying to get to, you know. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I always worry when like a music person's like, yeah, I'm really thinking about doing an album. I'm like, what are you thinking about? Let's go do it. <laughs> right. Well, I, I encourage people to check it out. You do something that uh, a lot of people don't do. You actually help musicians, and you kind of act like an agent. You you kind of... Well, I yeah, I have, uh, I have a company called uh, Artist Expansion, and I work with three to five artists at the same time, and I work with them for about three months. And I do a complete marketing makeover. We work, We talk about social media. We talk about their catalog. I help get them set up for, for monetization. Um, in many cases, they have like a new release that is about to happen or they want to have happen. Um, 
I, I help them with videos. I have all kinds of crazy skill sets. Anyway, but um, I work You're with them. You're a mentor. You're a mentor. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, because I've taught at all these universities, and I love teaching, and I love making a difference, and I love, um, you know, and I love empowering people with information so they can go off and do their thing. Because I think one of the big problems right now is either people don't have the information they need to succeed in their career or they have misinformation, mm-hmm. you know, or they are talking to somebody who was maybe something 20 or 30 years ago, and they're talking about how terrible things are now. I think there are so many opportunities right now yeah. in entertainment, in music, in media, if you know where to look. It does require looking from a different point of view, but there's so many opportunities. And you've tapped into that, and I do encourage people to reach out to you um, and, and check it out. And Plus, your great music. I'm going to kind of go out with a little bit of uh, from Kiss the Quiet here. Uh, you know, I, I was just really glad that I found you and, and Beth Ann and everyone uh, told me about you, but, you know, you have a lot of um, Renaissance man aspects about you that are doing great things, and it's inspirational. So, I mean, I applaud that, and um, enjoy your fabulous concert at Vivaldi Vivaldi Cafe, is that, in New York? The Cafe Vivaldi Cafe. on 32 Jones Street. So all you guys from Maui, get on the plane now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a long flight. Come on, it's a couple of hours. Just boom. And then, you know, hey, I heard you on the radio. I'm here. Let's go. I love Party. it. I love yeah. it. Well, I think you do great work, and I love your new one, Kiss the Quiet, and uh, it's available on Amazon and on your website. And, and have fun doing what you're doing and keep teaching and inspiring people because it's really necessary. It takes all you can get to get your your work out these days, and I know that. It's not easy for a lot of musicians, and I know that a lot of people would love um, to be able to get the guidance that you can provide, including me. Uh, <laughs> I, hey, I could use you know, hey, hey, Anytime you need anything, let me know. And and thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, to be on today. I really, really am grateful. Well, I am too. I'm grateful I got a chance to meet you. And, and to keep doing the good work you're doing, Michael. A big aloha from Maui. Aloha, guys. <laughs> Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye-bye. And uh, we'll go out with some of this music here that's lovely. And I just want to let you know that Kathy Takushi will be back next week. This is Captivating Journeys. We'll be back with them. And this is Travel Angel Radio Show. Thanks for listening.